something bad happened and I just want to spend some time so that we can just we will sing and we will pray a little bit there's a gentleman that used to come to this church I mean well I, I don't really know him but he was so regular you know he was so regular and um, his obituary was in the papers yesterday we're going to have a service of songs for him tomorrow and we'll have a funeral service for him on on Friday with a young man who wasn't even married some crazy people cut off his head you know and um, I've just been wondering how why so let's just rise to our feet and just lift up our voices and just sing unto the Lord the Lord is my light
before you by the precious eternal blood of Jesus. Lord, you know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. We come before you with hearts of thanksgiving. For it has pleased you that each one of us will be here today. You are he who brought us into this year 2000. We ask Lord today that you will hide each one of us in your pavilion. Spirit, soul and body, Lord, hide us in the secret of your tabernacle. Lord, we ask that at all times you give your angels charge over us. Father, as we spend time in your word today, we ask that your word will bless us. Almighty God, keep each one of us. Father in heaven, hide us from the enemy. Oh, we ask this in the name that's above all names. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now, um, I don't know make anybody sad, but when we hear testimonies, sometimes you have to tell people and say to them, give the Lord a big, big, big round of applause. There's somebody who never missed Wednesday or Sunday services, was always here, and um, his car broke down on the way. While he was busy trying to find out what was wrong with his car, some people came and just removed his head. In fact, they found only a body, they couldn't find the head for a while. Then later they found the head. We just must, everyone just has to take God a little bit more seriously. So, and I'm saying this so that... Um, when, when people give testimonies on Sundays, you know, the thing about us people is that, after a while, everything just becomes like um, child's play, you know, so people just clap anyhow and just behave anyhow, and that's why those who were here last, last Wednesday, I was trying to be really strict with people, because when you come into God's presence, know that you are in God's presence. The Lord knows why he allowed that to happen, but we do not query him, we do not ask why. Let's pay, turn our Bibles to um, the letter of Christ, the letter of Christ to the church of Ephesus. We will conclude that today. Now let me read very quickly. In fact, let us all read together the first seven verses of Revelation chapter 2. Now if you are just joining us and you were not here last Wednesday, buy the tape for last Wednesday because um, it will, you'll find it useful. Shall we read together the whole seven verses, chapter 2, Revelation 1, 2, go. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, Right. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, last week we started a study on the letters of Christ. And we looked at the first two verses. I think that's where we got to. 
regarding the church at Ephesus. Now, I just want to quickly go over some of the things we talked about last week. We noted last week that one, the letter is addressed to the angel of the church of Ephesus. That there is an angel that Jesus has set over local churches. I also said that there is a controversy. Some people say, well, it's addressed to the pastor. Some people say it's addressed to the messenger. But the word in Greek is angel. So we will take it that it means angel. Jesus would not have said angel if he meant pastor. Particularly since the pastor of the church that is being written to this church at Ephesus is the man who got the revelation. So he could have written it, he could have said to John, this is your own church. But he said to the angel, and we said that, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, that there is an angel that is over every local church. Don't to say too much about that, which means that God recognizes, or Jesus recognizes, local churches. <coughs> and I said something about those who think they can go from church to church to church to church. Only God knows where your name will be written down. But he knows that there is a local church called the city of David. There is an angel that watches over this church. And he also says that he walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And we explained that the candlesticks there represent the churches because that's what the Bible says. And I said I'll bring um, an example. So the candlestick is that which is holding the candle. The candle is meant to give out the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. We said a lot of things about it being candle, I mean it being golden, and that that church is made up of people, and each person who is here is meant to be a golden candlestick, that is a golden light holder. We also said that one of the attributes of Jesus, you see the reason why we are doing this study, I explained last week, is that Daniel 11.32 says, the people that know their God shall be strong and they will do exploits. And I've said that this year is a year of exploit. One of the reasons why we are reading our Bible cover to cover is so that we may know our God, so that we may be able to do exploits, so that the year will be a year of multiplication, so that you can move from moonlight to sunshine. Now, and I said, one book in the Bible that actually tells us who Jesus is, is the book of Revelation, that he is no longer the Lamb. And we explained when we looked at it last week that the dress that he had on, many people have said it represents the robe of righteousness which is okay and all that. But the interesting thing about it was that that was exactly the way the Roman judges of those days dressed. And that if you look at Revelation well, you see a different Jesus revealed, a Jesus that is a judge. And that in the letters you see attributes, you see things that you didn't know about Jesus. One of the ways he describes himself is that he is one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, that Jesus walks in the midst of his church, that as we have gathered here today, Jesus, from the scripture we are reading, is busy walking in and out of each person that is seated here today. And then we also said that from verse 2, Jesus states to that particular church, he says, I know thy works. And he tells us the good works of this particular church. Which is to say that as we are here today, Jesus can tell each person what he or she has been up to. So this letter is like a, a report card. You know, he is telling the church, you've been in existence for a while, and can tell all the things that you have done. He says, I know how you cannot bear those who are evil. He says, you hate those people that I hate. You know, but some of us love people that Jesus hates. Some of us can manage with people who are evil. 
But Jesus is saying clearly in this bit of scripture that we are looking at that he knows the works of that church as a body and as individuals. One of the most interesting things about this letter is that it is addressed, as it were, to the church. But when you get to the end of the letter, the promises that are made are made to an individual. They are not made to a corporate body. So whilst he identifies us as a local gathering within which he moves around, he still holds each person responsible for their acts. So that, and, and we explained that the, this particular letter can be broken into seven parts. And we dealt with two parts. We dealt with the address, we dealt with the attributes of Jesus, and we also dealt with the approval. That is the rating of the church. Jesus said good things about them. Today we will conclude this particular um, letter to the church episodes by looking at, one, the accusation of Jesus, two, the advice that Jesus gives the church, three, the appeal that he makes to them, and fourthly, the promise that comes with the advice and the appeal. What exactly, and in this accusation, this particular accusation, I want us to pay a lot of attention because if you look at the church, Jesus had a lot of good things to say about that church. There was so much good things to say about the church. That is why the accusation and the consequences of the accusation must tell us something about God today. You see, if a church is this good, if Jesus says to them, I'm going to blow away your candle, I'm going to just shut you down, despite all your good works, then there's something to learn today about the accusation. And what was the accusation? The accusation is found in verse 4. It says, Nevertheless, despite all the good things I have said about you, it says, I have something against you, because you have left your first love. Let's read verse 4 together. Everybody, verse 4, 1, 2, go. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. So despite all the good things that he had to say about them, he says, I have a problem. You have left your first love. And what is the consequence of that? The consequence is that if they did not do something about it, he says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Jesus is saying, I will shut down the church because of this accusation. He says, you've done very well, but I would rather not have you as a church because you have left your first love. Now, if you think about what we, we, we said about this church last Wednesday, if you just think about what we have read, all of us have read about this church, certainly there must be something really, really Serious. If a church can be this good, these people were enthusiastic, they, they had endured hardness, they had stood up for the name of Jesus, they were enlightened people, they, they knew the Bible. Those people who came and said they were apostles, they knew what tests to put before them. They found them that they were liars, they sent them away. The people that Jesus hated, they hated. Anybody that had any trace of evil, they hated. Yet Jesus said, I'm going to shut down the church. Because you have left your first love. This therefore gives us an insight. It gives you an insight into who this Jesus that we are talking about is. 
an insight that you must understand today if you want to be somebody who will do exploits. Because he puts this one single problem and says it erases completely all their good works. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. At the evening service on Sunday, I asked that people should check. There are three levels of love that we are going to look at today. And as you look at them, you think for yourself and, and try and see which one was Jesus talking about. Because when he says you have left your first love, the first thing that comes to my mind is clearly the fact that it seems as if they have left off their love for God. You have left your first love can mean that you no longer love me, Jesus. It can also mean you no longer love one another. And thirdly, it can mean you no longer love those who are out there who are lost. It can mean any of those three. It would have been nice to send out papers to everybody and say, which one do you think Jesus was referring to? Most people would think that, because that's what I thought, the first time you read this bit of scripture, you think that, well, Jesus is probably talking about the fact that these people had gotten into work and they were no longer, you know, they didn't have a relationship with him anymore. The answer really is simply that they are guilty on all three counts. They are guilty on all three counts. Remember that, but there is one particular count which God finds them really, or Jesus finds them really guilty on. Remember that the person who's been used to write this is who? John the Beloved. So if you read his sermons, if you read his epistles, you will find that there's something about the epistles of John. Always he seems to have only one message. Little children, love one another. That seemed to be the recurring theme in the epistles of John the Beloved. So that the problem this church apparently had was that the church somehow had reached a place that many people say the city of David is at. That is, there was no love between the brethren in the church. The people come to church, they hate evil, they read the Bible, they do everything well, but one on one, as a congregation, something had disappeared. There was love that held them together, which seemed to have washed away. Now, let us look for proof by turning our Bibles to 1 John 2. Just this is really interesting. So let's just pay. We are going to finish very early today. Let's just pay a bit of attention to where we are coming from and where we are going. As Pastor Gandhi would say, I'm going somewhere today. You see, because people say, ah, in fact, the, the, many people say that somehow 
There's no love in the city of David. But let's, I'll show you something very interesting. That at the end of the day, you'll be amazed that the problem was not the problem of the church. 1 John 2, verses 7 to 11. I want today we shall be reading together. Because um, let us all read this together so we all know that it is the word of God. Are we all there? 1 from verses 7 to 11. 1, 2, go. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you but an old commandment which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which he have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because his darkness hath blinded his eyes. So John here says that it is possible to be a Christian. It is possible to know the Bible. It is possible to be in church. But that if there is a brother or there is a sister that you just have something against, he says you are aware in darkness. He says, you can claim that you are walking in light. He says, but you are in darkness. And there's something very interesting in verse 9. He says, he that seeth, he is in the light. And he that his brother is in darkness. Then the interesting bit of it is, even until now. Until now means until now. So, are you here today? And there's somebody that you and that person have some form of disagreement or the other. The Bible says you can speak in tongues. The Bible says you can be the nicest person in church with everybody else. It doesn't say brothers. It says brother. One person. It says you are in darkness. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. This time let me read verses 11 to 18. You listen. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him, my little children? Let us love, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This is again John speaking. And remember that John was actually based at the church at Ephesus. So he, 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 these, these were the things he told them regularly, continuously. Unknown to them, somebody else was also keeping a record. And when Jesus read the report, he said, Ah, this church, with all your good works, I have a problem with you. He says, You have left your first love. And he says, If you do not return to that place, he says, I will come and I will take away the candlestick. In other words, you will no longer be a church. I don't want you as my people. I will shut you down. It's good for us all to think about. Because nowhere but 
in Christendom do we have people who have one thing or the other against other people? You know, I, I used to say that when you and somebody do not agree, you have a problem of eternal dimensions. I didn't know it was this eternal until we started looking at this thing. You can see for yourself here today. You know, because it's nice for people to say, and a few people have told me that, that it's nice to say that there is no love in church. But the rating, just watch as we go on and see that Jesus doesn't hold Ephesus. Instead, you will find that he holds the individual. He doesn't hold the church, he doesn't hold the local body. This is very, the letters of Christ are so interesting. He always starts talking to a corporate body ends up talking to the individual. Very interesting. 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. Let us read that together this time. 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. Shall we read together? 1, 2, go. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Good. So we'll stop there. And then take the key point of John. See, in church it is so possible, it happens all the time, for people to really come to church and you have, you've come here today to worship God everyone here I believe has come to worship God but what is so interesting is that somehow we don't understand who this God is you see because we can lift up our hands and tell him that we love him we can even worship him so powerfully that people will kneel down and they will cry and shed tears but the irony of life is this John tells us he says, stop wasting your time. He says, you have never seen this God. He says, so how do you say you love him if there's somebody that you have something against that you can see? He said, because this God has a regulation, he has a rule. He says to you, love everybody. But we say to him, we love you, Lord. But there are some people, Lord, we just can't love. The love we are talking about today is not an emotional type of love. It's not love that you can push here and there. And I know that every single one here will have somebody that they saw coming down the road. They'll say, here comes that troublemaker again. And go down another pathway. And I gave a simple example once. And that example comes so much to life today. 
Because once that is in our lives, you know, John says, if, you, if there's anybody you, you hate, that you disagree with so seriously, he says you're a murderer. And that he says clearly that no murderer will arrive in heaven. I didn't know that when I said that. How can it be that we are all in heaven? Then when you come down Holiness Road, you see Sister B, and you decide that you will go through Silent Night Road. In heaven. Then we don't know this God. We don't know this God. And one of the things I did, the moment I started studying this, the moment I started seeing this, I started making amends immediately. Because you don't have a choice. You do not have a choice in this matter. It's like I said to somebody, I have a house, I'm leaving my house. You knock on the door, I look through the window, I see you. I decide I don't want you to come in. You can't come in. The rules of heaven are made by God. They are not made by you and I. But somehow people believe that God will understand. But Jesus is telling a church that between the two of us who are here today, this church has done better than also. It has done better than I know. It's done better than me. Yet, Jesus says, you have a problem with me. And for that problem's sake, I will shut down the church. I'd, I'd rather not have the church than have a church that has that problem. So I think the problem is not a corporate problem, as people think. Somebody said that one of the problems in, in church, in the city of David, is that on a Sunday, when we say hold hands and let's share the grace in fellowship, that as soon as we finish sharing the grace, before you can look, the person has disappeared. So I told the person, I said, next time, just hold that person and don't let the person go. You see, it's not a problem. You see, it's so easy. That's just the way we all are. That's how the average human being is. You tend to see things that are wrong with everybody else. Meanwhile, the problem is your problem. There's nobody here. No single person here who will say, everyone around me, ah, we are best of friends. Nobody. Now, the truth is, if you want to do exploits, you must know the God you serve. If you want multiplication, you must know the God you serve. The God you serve is telling you today that, please, I'd rather not have you call yourself a Christian if you cannot be on good terms with everybody. He says, just forget the issue. This is not me speaking. I'm just speaking from what I'm reading here today. And I am happy that we all are here and we are reading together. Now let's, let's look at the advice. We've looked at the accusation. What's the advice of Jesus? Verse 5, Ephesians, um, Revelation chapter 2. He says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Jesus says the solution lies in your memory. It's strange. He doesn't say it lies in prayer. 
The solution to this problem says it is not in prayer, neither is it in fasting. It says it lies in your memory. Remember, think, go back in your memory. And think of the time when you were friends with people. Just go back in your memory and think. He then says, when you have remembered, you do something. He says, repent. And by now, I trust us in the city of David, we can all define that word, repent. Because we have explained it a thousand times. Repentance, I say all the time, is not an emotion. This is when some people do something that is wrong and you are talking to them, they, they weep. They cry. If you like, cry blood. It is not repentance. Repentance has nothing to do with tears. Repentance is two things. One, by now if I say it, you should be able to say it with me. A firm inward decision. That this point on no more. Two, an outward manifestation of turning away and moving away from that position. That's repentance. Repentance is sitting down and thinking. You know, Jesus doesn't say here, pray. He says, sit down, think. Think in your head. Use your brain. This is when you've used your brain. Then use that same brain and decide and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do something about this situation. This is a message to each person that is here today. It's what Jesus is saying to us. Is you haven't got much of a choice. Let me give you examples, real life examples. The way we are, the way the Christian is, in fact, the people in the world are, are not like that. It's Christians who really are like that. If you greet the pastor a few times, it's good to use myself as an example, because sometimes you give an example, you don't mean any harm, and people take offense. So you greet the pastor. Somebody, in fact, told me today, I was talking to somebody, and he said, ah, he said, but um, you were under too much pressure that day. He said, somebody was greeting you. So just in case that person is here today, if the person is not here and has complained to you, please tell the person the pastor, I said, sorry. He said, somebody was greeting that. There was a lady who was saying, Pastor, let's go. I'm greeting you. I'm greeting you now. He said, and I just answered the person, I have heard, I have heard. <laughs> I said to the person, I said, no, I couldn't have said that. He said that he was standing by my side, so he had me tell the person. He says, the poor girl just turned and went away. I said, ah, which service was he? He said, he said, he said, he said, I said, it's Joe's fault. It's Joe who put me under pressure. You know? You know? But you see, the thing is, some people, just for that reason, they will take an offense. They won't talk again. They will just go away quietly. They'll be complaining in their heart. Now, the truth is, let's just understand one thing. If I walk down the aisle now and I slap you, 
You know what Jesus is saying you should do? You know, he's not saying turn the other cheek. He's saying to you, that's a pity. But if you hate me because of that, that is better you go and do your own Christianity somewhere else. Now that's a very tall order. It is. Because people can really be nasty to people. People can be. As I can as many faces as I see here, so can be nastiness that we can never imagine appear. But the thing is, this is one thing that you and I have no control over. You have no control over it. We are not to say because I am right and stand in my place. You won't just go to heaven, that's all. It's not me that said so. That's what the Bible says. So we have a responsibility to make sure that nobody offends us. We have a responsibility to make sure that even when we are offended, we just find a way of making amends. We do. We do. Because there are some of us here there are some people who have offended us so badly that even if Jesus appeared to you and said to you, well, no problem, I'm the judge. You are not the judge. Still go ahead and be nice to that person. You say no. Let's understand that he is the one who can say, lift up your heads, O ye gates. And the King of Glory shall come in. You and I, we can shout, lift up your heads, lift up your heads. They will even answer, who is the King of Glory? You see, there's a gate. He's the only one that can open the gate. And if he says, this is the way it's supposed to be done, we all better begin to think of doing it that way. And so many people feel justified. I come to your house several times, several times. You don't bother to come to my house. I stop coming to your house. Jesus says that's not the plan. He says because when he died, you were not saved. In other words, you were not worth dying for. You and I were not worth dying for. But he still died. So he set a standard. And if you must sit where he's seated, you must climb to that standard. I know that some people are going to have a lot of problems. I can see them already wondering how they are going to solve this problem. God will help you. This is the way to make progress. This is the way to do exploits. It's just, there's no other way. The Lord will not stand by you and support you because even the Bible says that if they strike you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. But that's not why I'm not even talking about that today. I'm just saying that we have a responsibility to ourselves. Not to let somebody else pull us into the wrong direction. So if somebody has determined that he or she will go to hell, wave to him, but say, I'm not going with you. So you, you, you all who are here today, you have a big problem to sort out. And the way Nigeria is, with family and villages and clans, serious problems. 
but God can help with all problems. This is not an emotional kind of love. This is an instruction from God. He says, because God himself that we call our Father, that he, the whole essence of God is love. The whole what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called sons of the living God. And he set a standard. He says, he so loved us that he gave his only begotten Son. Whereas, we are still sinners. Not when we were good people. So if you want to touch God, then you've got to find how to live in peace and in harmony with people, no matter how nasty they are. I'm not asking you today to make a nasty person a nice person. I'm saying don't let a nasty person, let his nastiness take you in the wrong direction. Let them be nasty. You just be nice. That's all. In fact, the Bible is so interesting. The Bible says, when you are nice, guess what? He says, you are heaping coals of fire on their heads. So maybe, if you can just imagine that you really want to punish the person that is nasty to you, the Bible tells us that as you are nice to the person, you are punishing the person in, at a spiritual level that you can never inflict in the physical. So God has made a way for you. If it's a consolation, be nice. And as you are being nice, know that coals of fire are being heaped on the head of that person. It is the word of the living God. That's God. You see, that, that's the thing. What we are doing here is finding out who this God is. He's a very complex God. He is. And you've got to understand who He is if you are going to go out with Him. So we must determine to be nice to people. We won't let people... I made up my mind so um, that from this coming Sunday I'm going to become a traveling pastor. So people get ready to see me in your homes. <laughs> I made up... Uh, you know, you see, I, I, I told somebody and the person said, where are you going to get it? I said, I practice what I preach. That's the only way. See, there's no other way. There's no point preaching. And then you get back and you're... You become like a signboard. They are showing everybody else where to go. But you yourself, you are not going anywhere. No, 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 no. I'm going somewhere. As Pastor Gandhi would say. So let us, let us determine that no matter how nasty people are, we will be nice. Be nice. Just be nice. And be nice from where? Sincerely. Just be nice. Because the person who is writing the report is not me. It's Jesus himself. And God will help us. The refusal to heed the advice of Jesus is that he will shut you down. And so he appeals. He appeals. He says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit sheweth unto the churches. And to show you that God understands that this thing he's asking you to do is difficult. The promise says, he that overcometh. To overcome involves struggle. Involves a lot of effort. It doesn't say, he that loves his brother. It says, he that overcomes. The Lord understands that there are some people that are just not lovable. He knows. He says, but you must beat them. 
That's why it says, He that overcometh. Everybody say overcometh. Yes. It's He that overcometh. And notice that this is not overcoming Satan now. There's nothing here about Satan. Nothing. He says, He that overcometh. Overcometh was the nastiness of people and remains nice throughout shall eat of what? That tree of life which is in the paradise of God. In other words, how I relate to you is a major issue in whether or not I get eternal life. So you see that it is so easy to say I'm born again, tongue talking, heaven bound. And you're not really going anywhere. There are many Christians that are not going anywhere because the owner of heaven says the only way in is this way. So what are we going to do? We've got to make up our minds. He says, remember where you are coming from. And the interesting thing about all of this is this. You see, if you say you see, the, 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 the final law of life is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love him with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. But God tells us and says, hold on a minute, I know you can. You see, God knows us. So he says, it's easy to, to say I love God, I love you. People don't know him. You don't see him. So he says, yes, but love that unlovable person first. Why? You see, because when you love that unlovable person, and you are doing it because of God, something will happen inside you. And you will find that the three levels of love I talked about, love for God, love for fellow man, and love for lost souls, will suddenly gel. We put forms in bulletins last year. There are many people, till today, they just take the forms and they just toss them away. And you say, I love you God, I love you with all my heart. Thank you Jesus, thank you Lord, thank you, thank you. You're a joker. When you overcome loving the nasty person, you still have to overcome that business of loving the man who doesn't know Christ. You still have to overcome that also. That's somebody that you must reach out to. That's somebody you must reach out to. And it's not just reaching out to the person. It becomes your responsibility. That person becomes your responsibility. When we became Christians, when I became a Christian, for the first few months, somebody stopped at my house every Sunday. And they shouted, Are you ready? And I'll shout back, I'm ready. Then we'll stop at somebody else's house. We went to church in a convoy. So when I found people, I had the responsibility also of making sure that they were in church. Then after a while, the person gets used 
to the idea of waking up and coming to church begins to grow, then you leave the person. So it's not just enough to say, I spoke to the person, you feel the form, he has been born again, and then you move on. No. Do you really love God? Then you've got to do the things that God wants us to do. You've got to be nice to people, no matter how nasty they are to you. Don't, don't react to them. Because once you begin to react, you're not going anywhere. I've made up my mind. In fact, I have phoned so many people in the last few days. Oh, yes. Because I understand what this is all about. See, there's going to be so much power of God. You will see it yourself here. So, why not be part of what God is going to do? Just quickly make up your mind and say, no more. And then, try God will help. If he sees that you really want to solve the problem, he will help. And he will solve the problem. So let's take the business of evangelism seriously. Because apart from being nice to people who are nasty to us, we've got to have a heart. The reason why Jesus came was because God had a heart that felt sorry for the people. That's why God said to Jonah, Jonah, there's something wrong with you. You are feeling sorry for a plant that died. He says, me, I'm God. All these people who don't know they are left from their right. You want them to perish. We've talked about that, so I'm not going to go into that area again. So all I want us to do today is that there's a wonderful promise. That promise is that you will not even be given the choice to eat from the tree of life. You will be given the fruit itself. You are not going to be put through the choices that Adam has to make. Jesus says, I myself, I will give you from the tree of life that is in the midst of the paradise of God. So we've got to make up our minds today that one, we will love this God and because we know, we want to know that we love him, we will love those people who are nasty to us. One, two, we must develop some care for people who are out there who don't know this God. You just must begin to think of them and how to reach them. It just must be. And the worst part is that, I don't want to frighten anybody today, but the Bible says, particularly people who are in our families, people who are around us, if they die, and you never spoke to them, God says, He will require the blood, their blood from your hands. It's in the Bible. So, let's all decide I mean, just wave your hand to me if you are going to decide to love God today. <laughs> yes, now. Some people have decided to love God. Ah, you know when, the, when sheep gather, goats also are in their midst. Shall we then bow our heads this evening? And just, just if you have a particularly difficult situation, you can come and see me about it later in church office. But... There's no situation that's so difficult that if you want to speak to God about it today, God will do something about it. So let's just speak to Him today and just say, Lord, help me. Just say to Him, help me. And then don't just say, help me. Tell Him that you're going to do something. And from the moment you say so, begin to do that something. Just begin to be nice to people. You know, just begin to be nice to people. Just begin to be nice to people. Let's just speak to the Lord today.
and say lord just we've heard your word we will do what you say we should do lord it's not easy but if you help us lord we will do what you say now there are some of us who are here today you're hearing this message for the first time you always thought that christianity was very easy in fact you are so sure that because you're always in church you're a christian but you have never before in your life made a firm commitment to god and say lord i accept you as my lord and savior i accept that you died for me on the cross that while i was a sinner that's when you died i accept you today i want to make a firm commitment to you lord that i want to be a child of the living god and i want you to write my name lord today because i know you are here lord today you i know you are walking in and around us so your word says you know me but i want my name written in your book that book that is called the book of life please write my name there is there somebody who wants to say that to jesus today put up your hand wherever you are so i can see you and can pray together you want to tell jesus today that just my name write it write it lord in that book of life i have never taken you so seriously but today lord i i i understand what i've heard please lord just put my name down in the book of life i accept you as my lord and savior i make a firm commitment to you today lord please save my soul if you are here you want to say that prayer to jesus just put up your hand before you say the prayer so we can see you and put a card in your hand is there anybody here today who wants to say to jesus here i am lord just just accept me as i am have mercy upon me god bless you there's a hand right over the back there anybody else just put up your hand don't be shy god bless you god bless you god bless you anybody else when you get the card put down your hand yeah put down your hand before god remember that what we are saying that jesus is walking in our midst so he knows those of you whose names are not in the book of life he knows those whose names are in the book of life so if you are not sure all that it takes for your name to be put down today is to make assurance double sure by saying okay here i am lord and just put up your hand for him he will see you as you put up your hand it's not me that's seeing you he says he's here he says there's an angel that's over this church is anybody else who wants to say here i am lord just put up your hand before him now just put up your hand before him and take a card fill the card and let us have the card that's all it's not a difficult thing to do perhaps something is saying to you ah you want to embarrass yourself yes say to that thing i want to embarrass myself once you put up your hand that voice keeps quiet because it's the enemy who doesn't want you to go to heaven is there anybody else here who wants to say to jesus here i am lord today please have mercy on me rest of us let's ask god for strength for grace for me for enablement i want to spend some time and pray myself so i'm going to stop talking on the microphone we all have problems don't worry we all do i do so let's just ask god today to help us
zeke zima hatala zatana ya kazeke bosahi matala yadi masha katania katala mashete ni baratana have mercy upon us all Holy Spirit of the living God pour upon us here today divine enablement Lord oh Lord you have asked us to love the unlovable because we were unlovable when you first loved us grant us the grace and the enablement Lord Oh, grant us the grace, grant us the enablement, Lord.
Just pass, pass the bread round. Go on, Viola. chastisement of our peace was put upon him. He suffered indignities because of us. He was whipped because of us. So let's, let's understand that even so today. And let's pray. Because he, he wants us to remember his death. So let's tell him today that we remember that he suffered on our behalf. I want to pray so I will not talk for a while. Let's all eat together. 
Everybody got wine. Okay, let's just hold in our hands the wine which represents the blood of Jesus, which represents the life of Jesus. So let's just say a short word of prayer to him. Tell him that you remember today that he died for you. He said, Because as often as you do this, you do show forth the death of Jesus. That's what he wants us to remember. He doesn't want us to ever forget that he died for us, that he died for us. And because he died for us, he can tell us to love the unlovable. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we exalt you. Lord, we give you honor and glory. Thank you, Lord, for dying for us. Thank you for dying for me, Lord. Oh, Lord, as I drink, I ask, Lord, that every tissue, every cell, every organ in my body, Lord, will receive your life afresh. And I ask, Lord, that my spirit man will be refreshed refreshed and strengthened afresh, Almighty God, today. Oh, Lord, as I drink, Lord, let your life flow into every nook and corner of my body. Almighty God in heaven, Lord, 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 let your life, Almighty God, come, Almighty God, and be life unto me today. Lord, I ask this in the name that's above all names, Jesus Christ our Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And after the same manner also, he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink together.
Jesus.